Like the office they commemorate, presidential libraries are living institutions. Certainly it is my hope that the Reagan Library will become a dynamic intellectual forum where scholars interpret the past and policymakers debate the future. Welcome to a Reagan Forum, hosted by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. The Center for Public Affairs offers lectures and forums presenting perspectives on important public policy issues of the day from politicians, authors, members of the media, business and military leaders, and more. In this week's Reagan Forum podcast, we are replaying a favorite from eight years ago this week, when football legend Terry Bradshaw shared stories with our sold-out audience. He spoke at the Reagan Library as part of our special exhibition, which featured football, and he didn't disappoint. Let's listen. Thank you. Thank you, John. Please. Sit down, really. Ah, up in the balcony. Thank you. Haven't had a round of applause like that since my honeymoon night, so I appreciate that. It's good to be here uh, at the Ronald Reagan Library. This place blows me away. He was my favorite president, and I idolized him. And uh, I, I have a, a quick story, which is so funny, because this, I, I got a call from Harry Rhodes, who is, Ronald Reagan was the first president to go out and give speeches. And Washington Speakers Bureau, who books me, they ended up signing Ronald Reagan and convincing the world that he could command these kind of dollars. And so, therefore, uh, Reagan was, with, I, and I were with WSB. And so, I was doing a speech out here in, in uh, Los Angeles, and Harry Rhodes calls us, TB, uh, Ronald Reagan is up over on Century City before he, you know, like everything was moved out here. And would you like to meet Ronald Reagan? I went, absolutely. <laughs> ah, are you kidding me? He said, well, you're going to miss your plane. I don't care. So I got a car and I went over Century City, went up that big building where Bruce Willis shot that movie and I'm out front and all the Secret Service people come out and, you know, you got to go through everything and you got to do, you know, they got to do their job. And that was cool. I'm like, man, I'm going to be wrecked. This is awesome. And so I go inside and I got all these security people, you know, next to me and going inside. I'm like, it was cool just having all these Secret Service people around me. I just felt important. <laughs> we get on the elevator and we go up and we're, there's several floors and and so these guys got comfortable with me, and they said, have you met the president before? No, it's my first time. But I've met all the others. You know, I've met, met all of them before. And uh, no big deal. Met movie stars, met them all, man. No biggie. You know, just another guy. Loved his movies. Not a problem. And they said, well, you know, everybody like you that goes in there, not necessarily a diplomat, or a politician, but a normal guy like me. I'm a normal guy. Guys like you, he said, never come out that they're not drenched with sweat. And I said, well, that ain't going to happen to me, Jack, because I can, I can handle this. My president, he's a good dude. I like him, friendly. He was a radio announcer. He was an actor. I was never a radio announcer and not a very good actor. So I said, he says, uh, well, I bet you, uh, how much money you got in your pocket? And I reached down, I had a $5 bill. 
And I said, five dollars? He said, five dollars says you come out of there drenched. I said, it ain't going to happen. All right, you're on. Like five dollars secret service. If President Reagan knew this, he would have fired these guys probably. So I'm standing out there, and I'm looking at all these artifacts and papers and stuff, and I'm so impressed. And finally, you hear this, these magic words, uh, Mr. Bradshaw, the president will see you now. And I went, oh. So I, <laughs> back before my knee was hurting, so I walked in. Honestly, I don't know what it's going to be like when I meet God. <laughs> I imagine... I'm going to say, please forgive me. I'm not a very good guy. But there he was. And I honestly couldn't move. I just stood still. And they had a photographer there, and he came around his desk. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I walked in. I said, Mr. President, Terry Bradshaw, it's a pleasure meeting you. Yeah. Uh, nice meeting you. Uh, take a picture. Uh, yes, sir. Take a, Yes, sir. I got, got a book for you. He wrote out to Terry. Always Ronald Reagan. I got it to this day. So I, hold, I got my copy of his book, and we take a picture. And he, that was it. And he stopped talking. And so I thought, okay. They said, well, talk baseball or something. You know. So I started talking a little baseball to him. Then I started talking a little football to him, and he was he was this far from me, and he was staring at me <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And I was this far from his eyes, and sweat, sweat started pouring. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, well, tell me about your, bro your, broadca your broadcasting days, Mr. President, because they told me to ask him, you know, he liked to talk about that. And he, and he looked at me. And I said, he didn't hear what I said. <laughs> so, Mr. President, would you, would you mind telling me about your bra? Once again, we're the, now I got sweat. <laughs> and folks, when I tell you I'm sweating, I am lathered up. And I am staring at him like a snake and a mongoose. And we're eyeball to eyeball. And now, off my brow and down my nose goes a big old drop of sweat. It, it is tickling me. And I'm trying to figure out, while well, I'm staring at President Reagan, trying to have a conversation, which I have no business even being in this room. And I'm like, oh my God, will this thing not drop? <laughs> so I'm, oh, I'm, <laughs> I got, I got, I couldn't wait to get out of there. I walked out. I mean, I was just lathered up. They, and they were howling, man. They, that was the funniest thing they'd ever seen. Stressful moments meeting guys like that. That's a big-time powerful guy, but a sweet, sweet man. They asked me to come here today. That was just my tension breaker. <laughs> to come here um, and talk a little bit about, and I don't normally talk about my, not necessarily so much my life. Um, this isn't a crowd necessarily for that. But I do believe there are enough young people in here, enough people that kind of know who I am. I'm, I'm 67 years old. I turned 67 September 2nd. I am, thank you, I'm a, I am a, I'm in the horse business. I stand a stallion called initials only. I used to stand five world champion stallions. 
And then um, I can say this here. Whatever I say in here, let's keep in here. We'll have a lot more fun. No IRS people in here, I hope. But I figured, okay, about every five years, you've got to show a profit. So every five years, I'd sell all my horses. And the minute the last horse would leave the driveway, I'd start buying stuff back again. And that's kind of where I am right now. I've been buying up horses. But I got this great horse. Name's initials only. He's a Bayron, unheard of in my business. And uh, so I stand uh, that stallion. I have about 44 broodmares, 29 of which are world champions. Um, I have, uh, I've been picking up horses all over the country, have doing, been doing this for almost 40 years. I stand, uh, I breed Brangus cattle. I don't personally breed the Brangus cattle, but I <laughs> breed Br Brangus cattle. Uh, I don't like fooling with the cattle. It's kind of a dumb animal, but I do that. So I'm in horse cattle business. I just sold all my thoroughbreds. I own three great thoroughbred stallions. Uh, one ran in the derby and got eight. The other one was, number, was going to be uh, over American Pharaoh, the favorite in the derby this year. He broke his leg. Yeah, And so he got scratched. And so I decided I've had enough of uh, the thoroughbreds. And so I sold all my mares, my babies, and, and my interest in all my stallions. So I'm down to just horses and Brangus cattle. I'm a dog lover. I have seven dogs. I have three piebald miniature dachshunds named Hootie Baby, after my grandmother, Biscuit, who's the baby of the bunch, and Gravy. Hootie Baby, Biscuit, and Gravy. <laughs> I have two Westies, so if you ever need your yard dug up, get you a Westie. That's a digging, <laughs> they are digging machines. So I got myself two Westies. One's name's Hank Williams, and the other one's name's Buttons. And then I have two guard dogs because people keep trying to break in and steal and rob me. And so now I got two dogs that'll kill them dead on the spot. <laughs> and one of them, his name, as you can gather, Johnny Cash. <laughs> I call him Cash. And then uh, Greta Garbo was one of my favorite actresses. And so I named this other dog Gorgeous Greta. So those are, those are, my, those are my dogs. I had a cat, too many dogs. <laughs> you you know where the cat is. <laughs> I have 19 rescued miniature burrows. My number one miniature burrow is a burrow named Snoop Donk. <laughs> He's 28 inches tall, cute as a button. And then I have got a new baby this year named Mae West. And uh, she's, a, she's about that tall, pick her up every day, love on her, bite on her nose, just cute as, you just want to eat them up. And then John Wayne was born two weeks ago. So I call him the Duke. And then we've got five more coming. So I've got all these miniature burrows, and I love to fish, so on and so forth. I'm Baptist. Everybody's Baptist where I'm from, except those that have been messed with. So that's a little bit about my, little bit about my religion. And I grew up with a simple philosophy. Today, going through the library and going through the exhibit and seeing all the NFL stuff brought back fond memories because I went to my father when I was seven, and I said, Dad, I want to play in the National Football League. Now, that's kind of a stupid thing to say when you're seven years old. Two of the original franchises to ever come into this league are still there. One is the Chicago Bears, and the other is the Arizona Cardinals. All right, those are the two. The only one to come into this league and never change its name or where it was or where they originated from is the Green Bay Packers. Those, those three right there. The Steelers used to be called the Steagles because during the war they were strapped for money so the two, the Eagles and the Steelers, converged and pooled their money together and they were called the Steagles. 
I grew up a huge fan of slinging Sammy Ball. Still to this day holds the punting record average. No one will come close. Almost 50 yards. Ain't going to be tough. I met him one time. He's a cattleman in West Texas, and he had tobacco all over his mouth, and his spit, and his teeth were rotten, and he cussed like a doggone sailor. <laughs> Skinny as a rail. So I have a brief understanding of a little bit of history. Anybody that's ever had a passion in life is a lucky person. And when I got my first football from Santa Claus, and when I put it in my hands, and when I went outside and threw it, or tried to throw it, and I had this, all of a sudden, I had this amazing feeling come over me and said, man, this, it just doesn't get any better than this. And then the day it spiraled, and I made it spiral, and I went inside and ran to my mother, come outside and watch this. And it spiraled, and she didn't know what she was supposed to be looking for. And she said, ow! Man, I thought I was the second coming of quarterbacks. Tried out for a quarterback because the position for me was quarterback. For those of you who don't know what quarterback is, I encourage everybody before you leave the Reagan Library today, everybody in here up in the balcony, down on this floor, out in the hallway, grab a partner. Have one of them bend over. <laughs> slap, slap that hand up on the cheek of that butt. Thumbs together. <laughs> Get an understanding how unnatural that is. But if you're going to play quarterback, you got to learn how to take a snap. My first time out playing quarterback, I didn't play quarterback. They put me at nose tackle. I played nose tackle. And here I am watching football on television. Here I am dreaming every night while I lived in Iowa and I threw my football against the roof every night in bed, painted up with cordovan polish because Christmas comes around once a year, man. It's like your birthday. When were you born? 98. What year? Every year. <laughs> Big old spot of cordovan polish on that roof. Took my clothes hanger, the metal ones, and when my football burst, when the strings popped out the laces, I'd take my shoestrings out of my tennis shoes and I'd sew it up so I could hold my football together. Because we grew up poor. And I only got one football. And my dream was to play in the NFL. It's amazing. It's amazing what can happen to you when you have a passion for something. Football is silly and is stupid sometimes. It is an absolutely amazing sport. No different, I guess, than being a doctor, a lawyer, a, a, a mechanic, an aviation expert, a pilot. Whatever it is that you have a joy in your heart for, man, you are blessed. And for me to hold a football... The earth shook and the ground cracked and the heavens roared. I said, oh, this is good. Man, there was something about it that I absolutely loved. And I couldn't wait to be a part of it. Unfortunately, as you, have, as you go through life, we all take off on these journeys. It's not all exactly cut out for me. John Elway, Dan Marino, these guys were great in high school, great in college, and they were phenomenal. Me, I didn't start in junior high. 
I only started one year in high school. I got six scholarship offers to small schools. I wasn't very smart. Come reason I wasn't smart was because I have ADD. You know what? I, I am a hyper boy. <laughs> you watch me. <laughs> Y'all got kids, right? I never rose, raised my hand to answer a question. I, I didn't have the answer. So I couldn't pass the ACT test. You know what you got to make on the ACT test to go to LSU? 16. Know what I made? 15. That's terrible. So they, you automatically find out that while you have a passion in something and while you're on that journey and while you're understanding everything there is to do about it, in football and understanding the history and how to take a snap, how to read coverage, there's only two coverages, man and zone. That's it. As smart as Tom Brady is, that's all he's got to figure out. <laughs> man or zone. And, and, and and when the game's over with, you get nothing. So Tom, tell us what went on. I, well, we were good uh, in all three phases tonight. <laughs> Belichick. Oh, yeah, team was good. Yeah. All you Patriot fans, might as well just take a pair of pliers and pull a tooth out. Guys are making millions, millions. Brady, 22 million. They owe him 50 million when he retires. His wife makes 30. She just retired. They got millions. I mean, if I threw five interceptions and went home to a wife that looked like that, I'd get over it in 20 minutes. I mean, you go home to what I go home to, and boy. Well, now, my wife would be here tonight, but she's still, she's still serving the community time for the. the <laughs> when I married her, I didn't understand the two glasses of water at the table at bedside. And then I figured it out. She drinks one, puts her teeth in the other one. She's not here. I can say that. <laughs> Peyton Manning, smart, 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 smart. All that junk you see. See, football is about calling plays, and you got five, you got five linemen, two tackles, a guard, and a center. All right, and you got a tight end. Then a flanker is the guy that's on the side of the tight end. If you have two backs, you got a fullback. If he's to the side of the tight end and a halfback, if he's to the side of the weak tackle, which is the tackle that's uncovered and doesn't have a tight end next to him, and the wide receiver out to the left is called a split end. I don't know why they call him this, but that's where it is. All right? That's all you got. And then you walk up the line of scrimmage. They got 11 over there, and count yourself is 11 on your side. And when you drop back, you got to read zone or man, and then you got to go to somebody and throw it. That's it. 
Thank you for coming tonight. And, and we're quick. My bra strap keeps falling. <laughs> my shoulder's knocked down and it won't hold my finger. These guys are smart now. Millions of, Drew Brees, $23 million. Roethlisberger, $21 million. I mean, all of these great core, millions. The most I ever made was 300000 A lot of money back in 79. <laughs> 300000 bucks. But now, are those guys, here's what's sad about this, Reagan Library folks. They ain't coming here. Ain't going to happen. Those guys ain't walking out free for nothing. I'm here tonight. That's right. That's right. You got to. You got you to gotta put this thing in perspective. No matter what happens to me. No matter from this day, if I die tomorrow, no matter if I'd have been a failure, I could at least say to somebody, oh, my God, once in my life, I loved what I was doing. Now I'm in television. I'm talking. I'm smiling. I have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> Y'all know that. Amen? Amen. I got, because you got to study, people. And I just flat refuse to study. Who wants to study? I don't want to study. Let Howie study. I'll cheat off the... And he, he studies. Michael, he texts, texts. And, and uh, Kurt's a tweeter, or is that what you call it? Tweeter? Whatever. Facebook, all this. Uh, and Jimmy, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy. Jimmy beats it up. He starts on Monday. He don't stop till right before the show starts. He's got it down. <laughs> I have more fun than anybody because I have no idea when my light comes on what I'm about to say. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Why put all that stress on yourself? <laughs> I got ADD. I got rheumatoid arthritis. I got to have a, five more major operations. You think I care about Detroit and Seattle last week? <laughs> Just soon beat my head with a hammer. <laughs> and then you have a conference call and you got to talk about these teams. Oh my God. If you can wake up every morning, you have had a blessed day, my friend. A blessed day. If, if you can learn to smile, and I would encourage everybody, there are two things that will move people. Two things. Number one, you being alive. Number two, you being nice. You want to have a great year. You want to make more friends. You want to get married, man or woman? Learn how to smile. Learn how to be nice, for God's sakes. I do business with people that are nice. You're mean and nasty and hateful. You're not getting my business. I'll talk about you on TV. I swear I will. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, 
This one guy took my daddy's. My dad passed away a year ago in January at the Super Bowl, and I missed that and had to go home and be with my family. And this guy took my daddy's hunting tape, in which I was hunting with my daddy. And I, that guy did not give me that tape back until I went on television and called him out. Well, he threatened to sue me. I said, bring it on, Jack. I want my tape. It's my tape. It's my daddy's tape. Got the tape back. You got to learn how to smile. You got to learn quickly before we go to Q&A. You got to learn how to shake hands. Everybody shake hands. Everybody just shake hands with somebody. Don't be bashful. Shake hands. Don't shake hands with me. Everybody shake hands with somebody. Hey, you go. How you doing, brother? Hey, sweetie. How you doing? How you doing? Everybody hug somebody. Everybody get somebody and hug them. Everybody hug them up. Big guy, how's it going, man? Hey, all right, all right. Hey, sweetie. Hi. There you go. Hey, hey how's it going, bud? Everybody kiss somebody. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It is amazing. Trust me when I say this. The nicer you are, the better the reward you'll get. The kinder you are to people, the kinder they'll be to you. It works. When you got on your hands and knees, I'm assuming most men in it. Raise your hand. Who in here got on their, hand, on their knees to ask your wife to marry him? All you men. There you go. There you go. I've been married more times than I cared or I actually have calluses. Let me show you. <laughs> and when you got down on those knees, you asked her to marry you. Oh, I know you're nervous. God bless you. I was nervous too. Because I, I didn't want to get married. I thought I could do better. But a good, big, healthy, truck-driving woman is necessary in my business. But I... I lit it up. Oh, oh, Sharon Jean, love me forever, girl. I'm incomplete without you. What's a football career without a great woman backing you? Oh, and I lit it up. Yes, sir. Smile, a reflection of the soul and the spirit of the human being. It's a simple thing. The Bible says to be still and listen. And God says, I'll speak to you. We're too busy. We're too fast going to work, too fast coming home. We're on our cell phones. We're texting. 51 people, 51,000 people killed last year texting on their cell phone. My kids, you can't talk. I got three girls. Can't talk to them. They ain't gonna, I bought them all a house. What daddy buys their kids a house? <laughs> My kids won't even answer the phone when I call them. <laughs> if I text them and hit send, beep, it's right back at me. <laughs> My kids come over for Christmas. Where do they put their cell phones? Up. No cell phones allowed. We're going to talk. We're going to spend time. That's right. We wake up. We go to bed. We have dreams. Some of us are fortunate enough to have played in a Super Bowl. We accomplish nothing in our lives 
that we don't turn around and say thank you to somebody else. That's the way it is. That's the way it should be. That is life. We're going to take a dirt nap. We're going to check out of here one of these days. The only people going to be at my bedside when I'm drawing my last breath is going to be my current wife <laughs> and my three kids. Probably wondering who's going to get the most once I'm finally out of here. <laughs> but it's going to be family. So at the end of the day, tell your mom and your daddy, if you still got them, how much you love them. If you've got kids, suck the skin off their face. These are the important <laughs> things. These are the things that matter in life. It's not the NFL. It's not Fox NFL Sunday. It's basic, simple things in life. People say, come give us a motivational speech. I'm not a motivational guy. If you want to get motivated, take Metamucil. That'll move you right on down. More from our Reagan Forum with Terry Bradshaw after these messages. The Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation is the nonprofit organization created by President Reagan himself and specifically charged by him with continuing his legacy and sharing his principles, individual liberty, economic opportunity, global democracy, and national pride. We must remain vigilant and work together to share these conservative principles with younger generations. Your role is critical to move our mission forward Thank you for your continued support. Please visit reaganfoundation.org give. That's reaganfoundation.org give. Now back to our Reagan Forum with Terry Bradshaw. But above all, I want you to have fun. My God, we're stressing ourselves here. We're worried about too many things. Let's relax a little bit. Let's undo the tie. You know, let's let a little air into our bodies a little bit. And let's tell ourselves, you know what, I'm a pretty good guy or gal. I'm okay. I'm a nice person. And we've got to stop listening to folks. And we've got to start believing in ourselves. When people said I couldn't spell cat, you know, of course I could. When people said I was dumb, I wasn't. When people booed me when I got introduced, I didn't like it. I didn't pick Pittsburgh. They picked me. They did... <laughs> They, they did me no favors. I'm a Louisiana boy. But at the end of the day, I know what matters. And that's all that matters. Remember the old song? And that's all that matters to me. Remember that song? Thank you very much. How'd I do this? Pretty good. Job. We're going to go into Q&A, right, John? So I just want to thank you. This has is, this is meant more to me than you can possibly imagine. It just feels good to be in a room and feel energy and not a bunch of people that are just filling up the seats that don't really want to be here. So God bless every one of you. And thanks for having me here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm hotter than a road lizard. Look at this. <laughs> Woo, hot. Can I take this off? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too. I got this show coming out that I did with Henry Winkler. And um, 
uh, William Shatner and George Foreman and a great comedian named Jeff Dye. I'm actually going to have dinner with Henry and his wife from here. It's called uh, Better Late Than Never. Funny as I'll get out. And uh, I don't really care if you watch it, but it's on NBC. <laughs> but it is funny. And Henry, Henry Winkler, cool dude, man. Cool guy. Questions? Yes. All right. Yeah, please. Uh, if, uh, if you could, when you have a question, we're going to have staff in the aisles with microphones. Just wait till we get it in your hand, if you would. Right I'm here. eight feet from him, John. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I, the, what I, what I, you're I'm, skinny, man. We got, you, we got to get you dewormed, boy. You, <laughs> you, this is what, this, I'm what loving I, you. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, when you called plays, how many plays would you have for any given situation? And did the coach ever have a discussion with you after you called a certain play? Very seldom had a discussion with me, because out on the field, I'd go over to the sideline. If things didn't work, I'd go right. I didn't have an offensive coordinator, and I didn't have a quarterback coach. I had just a head coach, and I pretty much avoided him. <laughs> but I, if, I had have, if I was having trouble, say, with the passing game, which we, we, we didn't throw that much, but if I would, I'd go to Tom Moore. Uh, he, I respected him a lot. He was a guy under Peyton Manning. Matter of fact, when I ran into Tom Moore, when Peyton was breaking all the, I said, where was that offense when I was playing? He said, well, I had it, but Chuck wouldn't let us run it. <laughs> but anyway, I would go to Tom Moore and say, hey, I thought this, I, I think, because we didn't have paper coming down. We had none of that stuff, you know, and so it, it, was, it was different. But I had a list of third and long, which is more than four yards. I'd have a, a list of, say, is that what was that? What was that funny and didn't know it? <laughs> Anything under four yards is thir is short. Anything over four yards, whether it's four or sixty, is third and long. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, so I had a list: fifteen third and longs, fifteen or twenty third shorts, play action, fifteen or twenty. So you would you would. I would set things up with the running game and then try this and then try that, then talk to the, I talked to the players, John, Lynn, what's happening? I, keep, I thought they were this, and, and they say, no, they're going to give us a, this look and we're going to that. So we talked among ourselves as a game played, and, and that's pretty much how we played. In the Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl, and I apologize for bringing this up, but in Super Bowl 14, when we beat the Rams out here, I, the Rams had our offensive line coach, Dan Radakovich. The Rams had our wide receiver coach, uh, Lionel Taylor. The Lions had our defense, I mean, the Rams had our defensive coach, coordinator. Um, can't think of his name now. Uh, anyway, y'all had him. <laughs> what was that guy's name? Anyway, so y'all had, had so many players, so many coaches that knew our audibles, knew our formations, knew our adjustments. And, um, I mean, it was, it was tough playing the Rams. I threw three interceptions in that game. And finally, I went to the sideline, struggling, because we got the lead. Then Vince Barragamo let them back down, and they took the lead. And it was going to go over to Chuck. And I, I said, I've run this, 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 and this, and this. And I said, they know everything we're doing. He says, let's go open right, 70-slide hook and go. I said, Chuck, we ran that all week in practice. I never completed it. He said, he said, We've got to beat them. We've got to beat them going deep. 
So I caught him on a blitz coming out the second half and hit him for a touchdown. So I go in the huddle. I go, open right, 70 slot, hook and go. I always went on one. We never went on anything but one or the quick count. Hook, and away you went. <laughs> My guys were so big, you couldn't go, set, ready, two, two brown dog. Set, ready, brown, two brown dog. Slide, right, bigger. They gone. <laughs> open right, 70 slot, hook and go. Slide right, break. Through the pass. Oh, man, that thing should have looked like it was intercepted. And away John goes, 78 yards, touchdown. So I go to the sideline, and I'm thinking to myself, boy, if we get in that situation again, I'm just going to run it again. You know, you don't have to be that smart. If it works once, it's got <laughs> call it again. Next third and long, we take the lead. Next third and long, Rams are driving. We intercept the pass. I, yeah, intercept it. And getting the huddles third and about eight, because we couldn't run a drop on them. And um, so I get in the huddle, I go, open right, 70 slot, hook and go. On one. Nobody said a word, broke the huddle. Stallworth was so wide open. The second time, there was nobody within 10 yards of him. And I went, oh my God, complete it, and we win the game. And I did not even attempt to lead him out. What I did, though, I led him back to the middle, away from the safety. And he caught the pass like this, which is nerve-wracking. But that was two plays. So that's, that gives you an example of play calling. And then in a huddle, I just asked these guys, look, man, I've tried this, this, and this, and this. And I'm getting nothing here. What do y'all got? Y'all got any ideas? And like, well, yeah, <laughs> hey, if you're a good leader, you ask questions. I didn't mind them having a play, yeah. So, I, hey, John, I didn't have to do this. Yeah. 26. Now, sir, I saw the placard. I saw the lettering on it. One, two, three, four. I could see it in the huddle. I'd get down. I'd look at it. Yep, second down. It looked like we got about six yards here, boys. I don't need nobody talking to my helmet with a speaker. Are you kidding me? My God, I got a PE degree for God's sakes. Hey, Amen. You got a PE degree? Who's got a PE degree? Yeah, up in a balcony. One, one, two, one, two, three, four. Oh, now they're popping up. One, two, three, four, five petroleum engineers in here. Five, six, count me. Next question. Over here. Over here, wherever, wherever. Right here. How you doing, Terry? Hey, man. Hey, uh, what advice do you have for these young quarterbacks today? Oh, good luck. <laughs> in the NFL? The problem we're having right now is, is the reader, the spread offense coming out of college, and they don't know how to read coverages. They ha they're clueless. And everything they ran in college, Oregon, um, wherever, the, when, wherever these schools are, they, Baylor, you know, Texas Tech, uh, Washington State, they read, and it's designed for one guy, and then run. You know, so... That's a setback for them, and it's unfortunate, but that's the, that seems to be every, only anybody can run anymore is a read or a spread offense, the read, whatever they call that thing. And so they're just way behind when they come into the NFL. Got the talent, but they're way behind. And if you're like Jameis Winston, and you're the first player picking in, picking? <laughs> picked in the draft, you're going to go to the worst team, Jack. I went to the worst team. I mean... When you're right tackle and you break huddle and you're a rookie and your right tackle walks up to the line. 
in trouble, man. <laughs> yeah, they're just set back by the system, just by the system, because, boy, these kids can flat sling it. These kids can sling. Next question. Uh, back here. I got my eyes back. on that clock. I know I got to go. I know. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I'm going to turn to a minor sport in just a second, but let me first say that I thought the performance in the Snow Bowl uh, was one of the greatest performances by a quarterback of all time. Uh, but I really became aware of you in uh, 66 when you set the national high school record in the javelin throw. Uh, and I thought it was an astonishing distance. What's he saying? I don't know. I, I really don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I'm sorry, but. You, you set the national high school record in the javelin throw. Oh, the javelin. 66. Oh, I and, did. I yeah. did. Now, a lot of money throwing that javelin. I know. That's right. Well, in, 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 in three years, in age group javelin throwing, uh, the, the weight keeps going down. So it'll be about the same weight as a football. So <laughs> you might go out, take one heave, set the world record, and then retire from the sport. But uh, I've read that you. Is it? Two-parter. I got it. I read, I read that you threw the... Okay. Can you understand him? Yeah. I read that you threw a football... This is, when I, this is when I discovered that natural ability is so crucial. As an eighth grader, you could pass a football 65 yards. 65 yards. Which is uh, who, who, threw it, who, who threw it 65 yards? You said you, you did. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, me, of course. Right. Yeah, you're, you're right. You know how far I actually threw the football? You want to know how far? A.L. Williams, Hall of Fame high school coach. I had a strong arm. And he came to me one day. We were at practice, and I was running against the number one team, just firing this thing everywhere. And he practices over, and I was a backup punter, so I'm putting. And, and he, he and A.L. Williams, our offensive coach, got into an argument about how far A.L. said, well, he can throw it 80 yards. And, and Lee Hedges says, no, he, he, he thought about 60 like you did, 60, 65 yards. So they took me to the goal line, and I, they had a little bet going and, and, you know, said, you know, throw it as far as you can throw it, 84 yards. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, right over here. Right over here, Terry. Yes, sir. Hey, Terry. Uh, I got a question for you. Uh, as a fellow guy with uh, ADD, I got a question look, just looking in the future. What, what kept you going? Because uh, you knew you, you know, thinking was, was hard at times. Uh, what, what kept your motivation going, like, to succeed in college, to succeed in high school when, you know, there was a lot of doubt? Oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously. Yeah, that was. You know what was bad about the bad thing about flunking that test, I did pass the SAT, but yeah, <laughs> evidently that's no big deal, but <laughs> the hardest thing was the humiliation of people saying, well, he's stupid. He couldn't pass the ACT test. And you know, I wasn't a good tester, but I was a good student, but I wasn't a good tester. And come to find out later, because I went to the Menace Meyer Clinic in Dallas because I just could not stay focused. And, and I still have a hard time. <laughs> I mean, 
I, don't, I can't use notes. I can't write notes. I can't write at all now. I've had to shake so bad. And <clears throat> I, I'm better on the fly. I create with my mind. I use my brain. I create stories. I, you know, I, I don't ever do stats. I know what my weaknesses are, and I, and I avoid them. I don't try to make them better. I just avoid them. And I had to learn that, that when someone says that you're stupid and dumb or you're no good or you get booed or have your head coach jerk you around, threaten to bench you after a quarter if you don't play well, all those horrible things, you know, it just chapped me, chapped me. I couldn't say it because it hits the papers. And I just quietly kept it inside. And I'm going to tell you what I used. I used hate. I'm serious. I hated them. I hated Pittsburgh, that coach, those people, everybody that said terrible things about me when we won a Super Bowl. Well, they didn't win it because of him. They won it because of the defense and everybody else. He's too dumb. And you live with that. And man, my wife gets absolutely fighting mad because she's a doctor and she's smart as I'll get out. And, and she tells me I'm a pretty sharp guy. But I'm not really, I'm not really... It, it takes, I've said this a few times, I have the title and the deed to my dream. It is my journey. You're not invited. And I'm going to get where I want to go, and you're not going to stop me. And I had to get nasty and mean and tough inside to put up with media. And for people that were attacked, even today, it's still out. It still comes and goes. And I just, you know, I said, well, you're not one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, as John was so sweet to say I was. And I'm just like, it doesn't matter to me what you think. Well, you know what? We won the Super Bowls. I got the rings. You keep them. I don't care. See you later, Jack. I don't need you in my life. And I've moved on. And I, that, that was how I did it. Now, I don't think that's necessarily maybe the smartest way, but that's how I did it. And it made me, unfortunately, a tough guy. You know, yeah, I know. Well, I've always been a winner. And, but people are cruel. And that's one of the things my daughter's in the singing. She's a, a phenomenal songwriter. And they got a group called Stella James. You can Google them, whatever they call that, and pull, pull them up and... And, they're, and she's written, already had a uh, number one song called What Do You Want by Jared Neiman. And <clears throat> funny story about that, if I can do it quickly. She, gets, she makes 350 grand, she, and she couldn't wait to tell me, Daddy, I made 300. See, when the daughter calls you and says, Dad, we're going to have a conversation, but if it's Daddy, it's going to be a whole lot more emotional. <laughs> Daddy, 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 <clears throat> I made $350,000 on my, on my song. Oh, baby, that is so good to hear. I'm so proud of you. Aren't you, you know, psychologists say you got to tell them, aren't you proud of yourself? Aren't, and I did. Aren't you proud of yourself? Oh, I am. I'm down here. You know, I have scoliosis of the spine. And I went down to this mattress company here in Nashville. Oh, oh you know, songwriters and they're theatrical like me. You know, we're. Oh, daddy. Oh, I found the perfect mattress. Oh, I, I laid on it, daddy. Oh, my back feels so good, daddy. Oh, I said, well, sweetie, that is so wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that. And I talked to the sales manager, and he said he would take your credit card over the phone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
And what did I do, man? Here, here's my credit card. What an idiot. Next. Are we okay? I know I'm sweating like crazy. And I've done nothing wrong. Uh, right up here in the balcony, Terry. Up here. In the balcony. Hey, hey Bob. Hey, hey Terry, it's uh, great to see you here. Uh, if I recall from watching you in that uh, LA Ram uh, Steelers Super Bowl in front of the TV and dying with it, of course, uh, you had a little bit of an unorthodox throwing style. Didn't you use your index? I, I gripped the ball. Right. How did you do that? Yeah, that's that wrong. That Don't ever do that. That's wrong. <laughs> hey, you know what? I threw the javelin, which that fine young man reminded me of. And to throw the javelin, you has a cord and you grip it like this. All right? And my claim to fame was the javelin not being a quarterback. And when I picked the football up, I could not get my finger around the ball like and throw it. Now I throw it the way it should be thrown when I throw it. And the ball should be released between these two fingers right here, straight at it. And this spirals pretty comes out. But I had my finger on the tip. And I couldn't stop it. But man, that finger is the last thing that pushes that ball. If you get it right, whoo, that thing will smoke, man. <laughs> but not the way to do it. You're exactly right. Uh, here in the Anybody? How about what a lady? Any one of you ladies got a, let's get a lady. A lady's just having okay. a fit over here. Right here. All right, all right. The one that thinks I'm a sex symbol. <laughs> yes, darling. In your movie, Failure to Launch, did you have a body double? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Did you say body double? Yeah. I should have had a body double. If I'd have known I was going to be naked. Is that what you asked, body double? Yes. Well, shame on you. You think this body needs a double? <laughs> hey, do we have a lot of kids in here? Good. All right, close your ears. <laughs> Tom Day, the director, came to me and he said, Terry, we're going to do this shot, and we want you to be, you know, naked. I said, well, I'm, I can't be naked. My mama finds out I'm naked, and she's going to find out if I go naked. I'm going to get in a world of trouble. He says, well, you know, you, you, you're never naked. You, 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 you cover up. I didn't know what he's talking about. And I said, then I got to thinking, hey, you know what, John, it'd be kind of cool. Do a movie, be naked, be my last movie. Although, by the way, I'm getting ready to start a movie in December with Owen Wilson. And um, comes, it'll be a, be a year. Of, it's a Christian movie. It's called Bastards. <laughs> I got to get my 87-year-old mother. I hope she doesn't see it, but that's the name of it. Anyway, um, where was I? Lost my place. Oh, yeah. So they say... You, you, you can't be, you know, naked. So y'all just let your imagination run wild here. And so I said, I don't know. I said, okay, I'll do it. It's my life. You know, it'll be fun. You know, just going to show my butt. Yeah, we're just going to show up for a second. Oh, yeah, that'll be funny. Nobody would believe I'd do something like that. So I went back there. There were three things laid out on my bed. Small, <laughs> medium, <laughs> large to cover up with. And I got to thinking to myself, well, the small is still too big. <laughs> I ain't taking that one because I know the wardrobe people are going to talk when I leave this room. <laughs> Which one did he take? <laughs> I took the medium one, in case y'all wondering. 
Fold it over a couple of times, it's perfect. Oh, this is getting crazy. Yes, 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 dear. You, dear. I did. The devil, probably. I um, always wanted one. My dad wouldn't let me have one. And my mother, I wasn't going to ask for her permission. And I was in Thailand, and uh, I told NBC, hey, that's a good place to get a tattoo. And I get, the tattoo is this ring, which is Alpha and Omega that my kids gave me. And uh, it's got a beautiful inscription on the inside. And I thought, if I ever lose this ring, I'm going to be devastated. I keep this ring on. And so I said, I'll have it tattooed on my shoulder. And it's really beautiful. Hurts like heck when they did it. But, uh, yeah, I did. I got a tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, really. I know. You're watching the clock, aren't you? Uh, yeah, we got time for one, one more. One big more major. <laughs> and uh, just fire it off. We'll, we'll measure it. Uh, how about right down here in the middle somewhere? We got about 50. All right, fire it away. I'll shorten it up. Somebody. How you doing, Terry? Oh, you're right here. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I have a question for you. You know, when you got drafted and you went to the Steelers, they had won, what, one game? Right. The year before? Right. Um, as, you, uh, as they acquired people like... Uh, mean Joe Green. Joe Jack Green came Lambert. in 69. Myself and Mel Blunt came in 70, 70. Then Donnie Shell, Mike Wagner, um, Craig Woofley, Stallworth came in 73 along with Swan in 73. Franco Harris came in 72. Rocky Blyer came out of the Army. He came in 72. Yes. Uh, now, Lambert came in 74. I mean, all with drafted. All that, with all those tools, when you came from here to up here with all those tools, when right. you guys would walk on the field sometimes, would you have or would teams look at you like, oh, geez, here they come. We're in trouble. That you, did you have that feeling of like, we're about to lay into you and there's nothing you can do about it? We knew in 72 that we had a good football team. I had made a comment, if we could beat the Vikings, the Chiefs, Oakland Raiders, and one other team, Dallas, and we beat all four in the regular season, then I was hoping to beat two so we could, know, so we could measure ourselves. And we won four of those, and then we lost. Uh, I got knocked out against the Miami Dolphins the year they went undefeated, but I'd driven us right down for the leader off the bat, got knocked out in the very first possession, and didn't come back in the second half, and then drove us right down again. And, if Larry, and Larry Seipel ran, as you know, for 40 yards for first down. If we stop, if we just play smart there, we win that game. There's nothing, there was nothing intimidating about the Miami Dolphins. Yet they went undefeated. And that's, I, I, it was not unlike the New England Patriots when I said, oh, I can't wait to present them the trophy. What they did that year was phenomenal. And the Giants beat them. It just, but yeah, in 72, I knew we were good. Absolutely. For sure. Yes. Yes, sir. All right, last question. You've already asked the question. Yeah, you did. Oh, you didn't? All right. After your elbow injury, was there any talk about you coming back the following year? No. And growing up as a kid in the 70s, you were the Elvis of football. 
I could spend my whole life through loving you, just loving you. Summer, winter, springtime too, always true to, oh. I just love to sing. What's up? He just wants you to wipe your head with it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Over the years, we've had a handful of sports legends speak at the Reagan Library, including Terry Bradshaw, Tommy Lasorda, and Vin Scully. To watch the videos of any of these speeches, please visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Foundation. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, including information on how to become a member, information on upcoming exhibits at the Reagan Library, and more information on the legacy of President Reagan, please visit reaganfoundation.org. And don't forget to like and follow the Reagan Foundation on all social media platforms. Until next week, thanks for listening. God bless you. Don't forget to subscribe to a Reagan Forum podcast in your iTunes or Google Play stores and on other podcast platforms as they become available. New episodes of A Reagan Forum come out every Thursday. Like what you hear? Check out our Words to Live By podcast, featuring radio addresses and speeches Ronald Reagan delivered from the 1960s through the 1980s. New episodes drop every Tuesday. And don't forget to follow at Ronald Reagan on Facebook at Ronald Reagan on Twitter, and Reagan Foundation on YouTube. Also, search for us on SoundCloud and Stitcher.